Welcome to Fluctuating Tides, the podcast, episode 10. I'm your host, Some Coding Guy, and let's get right to it. This week I'm going to be covering Proto Labs Inc., ticker PRLB, a digital manufacturer that has automated the process of rapidly building small volumes of real-world hardware from uploaded design files sent through the web, cutting prototyping lead times with facilities in the US, Europe, and Japan. Proto Labs has recently fallen out of favor with Wall Street for reasons we'll get to later, leaving us with an interesting entry point if we like the stock. For this week's knowledge segment, and to better understand this stock, I want to talk about two items that frequently show up on financial statements, namely receivables and payables, that help us understand how companies handle cash day to day. Receivables, or accounts receivable, is just money owed to the company that hasn't been settled yet. For the company, it's that in-between state from the moment when you're billed for a product, but the money's not in their account. There's a variety of reasons for that gap, but mostly it's due to delays such as how long it takes credit cards to settle up, or how long your finance department takes sending a check, or because the company extended you payment terms like, sure, just pay your bill within 30 days. Since we're waiting for the money to be received, we call it a receivable. Payables, on the other hand, or accounts payable, is basically the reverse of that. It's the other side of that same transaction. That's money that the company owes to someone else, but they haven't paid it yet. So in the last example, when I've ordered those products from you, but I haven't paid my bill yet, the bill is called a payable to me, even though it's a receivable to the company. To take a simpler example, let's go to the restaurant. We order some nice food, maybe the house specialty. Restaurants, unlike fast food, don't usually demand cash the moment that I order the food. So the moment I order the food, I've created a payable, and the restaurant has a new receivable, on the assumption that both of us are going to make good on the deal. If everything goes according to plan, the restaurant prepares my meal, the waiter serves it, I enjoy it, and I go and settle up the bill by paying the restaurant. This changes the restaurant's receivable to a completed sale, and my payable to the restaurant is now zeroed out. Now what happens if I eat the food and then leave without paying? Accounting leaves a few options at this point depending on whether the restaurant thinks they're going to settle the bill with me or not. The restaurant could move the receivable to a doubtful account if they think that the debt is never going to be paid, or they could extend me some billing terms and say, ah, just pay the next time you drop by. Or, well, I guess they could call the cops, but that's really more of a legal matter than an accounting one, so we won't cover that for now. When it finally settles, or takes too long, The balance moves out of receivables one way or the other, much the same as it'll move out of my payables. If you like eating at restaurants, you probably don't want to incur any long-term payables, but hey, that's up to you. Now in investing, I like to always at least glance at the receivables and payables lines. Payables usually gives us a hint at how the company is managing its vendors, what sorts of terms are being extended, and how quickly they're racking up a bill. We can compare payables to short-term cash to get an idea of how tight cash is going to be in any given period, along with other short-term debts that may be owed by the company. Receivables, on the other hand, give us a rough idea of the company's exposure to payments. With normal business, and because money settlement doesn't happen in an instant, receivables will grow roughly in line with sales, which is another indicator that the business is growing, but the ratio does matter. If receivables are growing way too fast, investors have to ask, why? If you'd been looking at the balance sheets of companies right before the telecom collapse in 2003, you would have seen a massive backup on receivables, as companies were so desperate to make sales that they were stuffing their clients with product and no immediate requirements to pay for that equipment. So even without closer inspection, you definitely want to watch out if either of these lines jumps too much, 
because there may be some real trouble brewing. So, now with our new knowledge, let's go take a closer look at Proto Labs. Management has guided to a 47% gross margin, not far off the 46% in the most recent filing and very respectable for the manufacturing industry. They've automated the intake of parts orders with their push of the Proto Labs 2.0 web ordering at the end of last year, and they recently acquired the 3D Hubs company in Amsterdam at the end of that year for a total deal of about $350 million split between cash and stock, which they're continuing to integrate into their day-to-day. Acquisitions are a little bit tricky, as I mentioned in previous episodes, but for now, it suffices to say that the integration and build-out is going to continue to draw cash until it's completed, but the business has been continuing strong even in the midst of the COVID pandemic. Of the $123 million in sales in the most recent filing, the U.S. represents about three-quarters of it, with Europe at about a fifth and Japan the remainder, with healthy growth and revenue in all areas. The company is virtually debt-free, and at the same time, they're adding additional manufacturing machinery while keeping an eye on optimizing costs to keep the all-low-touch web-based ordering system running. The most recent quarter added 1,000 new unique product developers to their 23,250 users total. and improved automation to reach the next 1,000, the pipeline is staying very busy even with COVID going on. But what about the receivables? Receivables jumped a lot in the last quarter, up to 83 million from 75 million, which bears keeping an eye on. Despite the company being debt-free, there's only about 60 million cash and securities available for the short term but that's probably low due to the continued build-out expenses from the recent acquisition. When figuring the money available to pay debts like payables versus cash on hand, I usually like to back out items like property and equipment, since you usually don't want to sell your house to pay a bill, and goodwill, since that's more of an acquisition-related fiction if you can't or don't want to turn around and sell the acquisition you just made. Management also usually tells you if that's the plan, and I didn't see anything in their notes about it, so I'm going to remove those items while figuring out how they're going to pay for their bills. Either way, we'll cover Goodwill in more detail in a future show. Aside from the cash and short-term securities mentioned before, the company also has a line of credit available from Wells Fargo, and they own a number of their own facilities, which they could probably mortgage if they absolutely had to, so there's sufficient cash to cover short-term payables. Given current interest rates and their revenues, They could also probably tap the low-interest debt markets if cash was really constraining operations, especially given the virtually debt-free balance sheet. Management did comment on the most recent earnings call that most of their receivables were related to unfortunate timing of when orders came in versus when the quarter ended. So other than checking back in the future, nothing to worry about there with dinner for now. So what happened? Wall Street beat up stocks that it thought were all related to 3D printing, But 3D printing is actually only 18 million out of the 123 million the company has in revenue, with nearly 100 million coming from injection molding and CNC machining. I think they're unfairly getting thrown in with 3D printing companies, despite really being just a simple-to-work-with onshore manufacturer. And a steady stream of increasing designers and engineers using their service will likely continue to match existing growth in sales despite COVID and other concerns. As the U.S. and China continue to have trade issues, Proto Labs likely only stands to increase market share in the future as the easy local option, aside from the advantages that they already have around a fully automated digital ordering supply chain. Given all this, Tidal River is going to take a position in Proto Labs this week. If you like the podcast and want to see more content like this get created, feel free to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or buy a photo from TidalRiverInvestments.com. 
Money earned on the photos gets deposited in the investment account. As always, Tidal River Investments and I are not financial advisors, market analysts, or otherwise in any way offering advice for or against any of the securities discussed. Meet with a financial advisor for that information. Stocks and funds may not be good investments for you, depending on your financial situation. We're here for learning, not advice, and I wish you the best on your financial journey. And remember, tides fluctuate.